You're listening to the Carbline Tech Service Podcast. This is Jack Walker. With me, as always, is Paula Jamis, the Director of Tech Service. And, Paul, we're going to keep it nice and quick because we kind of got a long episode today. We're going to go into the fireproofing lab and we're going to burn stuff. We sure are. Burn, baby, burn. So, Paul, for future ideas, how do people get a hold of us? They can get us at technicalservice at carboline.com. You can also get us on Twitter at Jack underscore CTSP, and I'm at Paul underscore CTSP. So we're going to throw it ahead to this recording we made with Brooke Grau, a fireproofing chemist here at Carboline. All right, so we're down here in the uh, Carboline Fire Lab R&D, and we're looking at our oven here as we're getting ready to set up a burn of one of our experimental fireproofings. So... Kind of to give, you know, this is on the radio so you guys can't really see. What we have here is a big box. It's probably about 10 feet tall, about 7 feet wide approximately. And what we have is a 6-foot steel column inside here. Now, uh, what we have is we have Brooke, one of our fireproofing chemists here. We've, we've badgered her and uh, got her to come on the show. So, Brooke, I noticed that there's several long rods sticking out in the middle of this oven. What are those? Yes, there are. They are furnace thermocouples, so basically it measures the temperature of the furnace while the test is going. So then that way you have a really good idea of the temperature in all areas of the oven. That's correct. So there's there's going to be an average temperature that you can see uh, when we're running the test. I noticed that there's a lot of uh, what looks like flame retardant material hanging up inside the furnace as well. And maybe even some, is this uh, sand that you bury the bottom there with? Yeah, it's to insulate the column, so there's not much heat that's leaking through at the bottom of the column and the top of the column, so you're getting an accurate result, so you're not getting any kind of bleeding heat that's coming in that'll affect the test in any negative or positive way. So this kind of test, we're looking to just review the actual body of the column, not actually the ends, but the middle that's portion. Correct. That's okay. correct, yes. So describe the test that we're going to run today. So we're going to be running a, an experimental test today on a certain product and there are basically, there are thermocouples on the steel that will measure the heat underneath the coating that we're testing. And basically uh, once the temperature on the steel comes to a certain degree, we'll know what the failure point is. So what is the max temperature that we're, well, I guess we, we run this until it... Until either it'll split or either it hits a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. On the thermocouple. On the thermocouple, which is basically when the steel starts to bend or it, it basically gives people time to get out of the building before steel starts to bend and the building will collapse. So that thousand degree Fahrenheit's kind of the weak point that's so we're correct. trying to make sure that we can get to that point without the coating and then take longer to get to that point when the building's on fire. That's correct. Okay. So then when we talk about hourly ratings, that's that's what those hourly ratings are based upon. Right. Let's, uh, I think we've got a good basis of what we're going to do. I guess let's do what we need to do to uh, get this going. So what we're doing there is we're just adjusting the thermocouples to make sure that we have an accurate representation of what the temperatures inside the oven are after the flame starts. Right, and you want all the thermocouples the same distance throughout the entire, around the entire column. Perfect, thank you. Right. 
And that sound that you hear is actually Brooke using an impact driver to tighten down the door of the oven. It's very similar to like NASCAR guys changing wheels. Yeah, except she's got like nine bolts that she's got to tighten down on this door. She's actually tightening it across just like you would a tire. Yeah, it's in that star pattern. You go across diagonally. She's just hitting them all one at a time. Okay, now she's got the oven all sealed up and I think we're ready to go for a fire, fire test. All right, let's get out of here. So the furnace is all sealed up and now that the thermocouples go through a hole that's in the door and the sides of the furnace. So we wanna make sure they're all sealed up so no heat leaks out during the test. So what she's taking is she's taking some of that fire retardant material and she's actually sealing off around the thermocouples to make sure that no extra heat comes out through the door. get the furnace going um, we have to turn on there um, we have a scrubber um, attached and we have uh, gas um, air and we need to turn those all on in order for the test to get going and yes every one of these toggles Brooke is running around the room, throwing levers, flipping switches, and, and moving, moving and valves, and we're just running around following. <laughs> temperature quite rapidly. Now that we've started the fire test up, we're going to go ahead and go on over to the control room. You know, as you look at the graph of the, the temperature increases on the furnace and on the specimen, what are you looking and, and what are you taking away from, from those graphs and, and data? Mm -hmm. So during the test, basically, we're kind of looking at how well the, uh, the char insulates the steel. So you're looking at 
the rate of increase of the temperature? On, on average, how many of these types of tests would you run in an individual product's development? Oh man, um, it could definitely be a couple hundred formulations before you get uh, good, um, solid results. And then you have to run those multiple times to confirm those results. So right. it's a huge number of tests that actually get run before we have a final product. It is. That yeah. we can say, here, we think we have something that's worth final testing. Right, yeah. And that's important to point out that, it, that we do all of this work prior to even sending it off to the final test. And we want to make sure that the product's right. With all the liability that we have in, in the fireproofing world, we want to make sure that the product is right before we get it out to our customer. With this test, the, the thing that, you know, it's, it's important to note, not only do we take a specimen that's coated in a, a, a fireproofing material, set it up, you know, put it in an oven where there's lots of flame, we know the thickness of the coating that's applied prior to the, the test, and then do we measure the char after the test. So we measure the growth of the intermessing process when the test is done, and that's part of the evaluation. Right. When once we get the once we'll be able to open the furnace tomorrow, we'll be able to uh, measure the char growth and look at the quality of the char, um, cutting the char open, and also looking at the oxidation um, to see how well it oxidizes during the test. One of the things that Jack brought up is this test actually is exposing this column to fire. It's it is a flame that's burning inside the oven which is part of the reason why we had to clamp the door shut so tight. There's so much insulation around it. It's not just hot air. There's actual flames burning in this space. Right, uh, we have different, we have a lot of windows in the, uh, on the sides of the furnace. And if you look in one of those windows, you will actually see flame uh, coming out of the burners and um, the steel, the, the column is being, um, it's the, being column is, the column is being exposed to yeah. the flames, so um, you can probably see that by now the intumescent process has started and you can probably start to see the char forming. When the test is over and, and tomorrow when it cools down enough that you can look at the, the column, you, you literally evaluate how it burns. So do you ever look at a campfire the same way again? <laughs> I don't, I never look at fire. I, I, I look at fire differently now. Now we're going to hop in the car at 88 miles per hour and flash forward till tomorrow. Okay, so we're back in the fireproofing lab. We've come back down to the fireproofing lab the following day because after we run these tests, the oven is literally so hot that we have to let it cool down till the next day so we open it up. And we actually just open up the door and are taking a look at the specimen that has gone through the test. One thing I noticed immediately is how much bigger, like, like we talked about it in a different episode. We talked about the intumescent process and how it was a lot like the snake uh, uh, firework that you buy. And, and man, the whole column looks like that. <laughs> it really does. It's, it's amazing. And if you remember back, what we're trying to do here is we're heating up steel essentially to its melting point. And now looking at it, it truly is amazing what these intumescent products do. So Brooke, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're actually looking for when we open up the oven on this. So the first thing that we usually do when we look at the furnace, we always look at the char quality, the color, um, the, to see how the uh, formula that you're using 
how the quality grows as the burn is taking place. So, of course, you want the best quality. You want the best oxidation. Um, the color is definitely important. Um, and the cell structure of the char is very important. You want a small cell, cellular structure other than a large structure so it insulates the steel um, at a better rate. So just on this one, just as we open it, it looks like the surface is white and the interior part is a is, is charcoal color. Right. Is that what it should look like? That's, that's what we're talking about with oxidation. Um, you want a better oxidation, so of course you want more of a white color. Um, when burning, which means that you're getting optimal, you're getting optimal oxidation when um, you're burning. So you want more white char. Of course, you're going to see black, gray, white char, but um, you definitely want more of the white layer than you do the black. And the black layer was what formed with no oxygen present. Correct. Okay. <clears throat> I'm also assuming that you want it to be relatively intact, crack-free, and all still attached to the yes. steel. Yes. Yeah, that is definitely one thing you look at when you open the furnace. You look for major cracks um, that have steel visible. So that means that um, during the test, if there was a crack present, then you can ultimately get a failure point. I guess one thing that we never really brought up is that this is actually an I-beam that we've coated and put into this test. Yeah. And so yeah. is there any particular part of the I-beam that, that you look at more d than the others, uh, more critically, I guess, is the way to put it? The, the critical points really on the columns, the I-beams, are the edges. The edges are very important. If the edges crack, then it's not going to be a very good test because you're going to get uh, either a single point failure or you're going to get an average failure. Okay, so that gives us a good understanding of what we're looking for. So I guess now we actually have to get this out of the oven so that you could take a look at it. So hopefully that sound that we picked up was the sound of Brooke cutting into this sample of the burned fireproofed column and she's cutting out about a foot by a foot square piece just to look at the actual char when you cut it you want to look at uh the integrity if it's tough if it's crisp um if it's fluffy um those are definitely different things you want to look at um with the char um quality uh, and which one of those is more desirable? You know, it really depends. I mean, of course, you want a crisp char. You want um, something tough, uh, but you don't want something too tough where it gives you bad quality. Yeah. Um, and you want the so small cellular structure. So when you cut the char, you always want to um, break it open and see what the... Uh, to see what the... Um, if there's a lot of air pockets in the char... Um, to see if it's a good insulator. So you always want a good compact char uh, for a good insulator. You know, kind of describing it, looking at the inside of this char, it almost has a, a, a natural sponge-like appearance. Not, not like a sponge that you buy to clean your kitchen or anything else like that, but if you've ever been to like one of those beach shops and they have the, the dried out pieces of natural sponge, it's, it's kind of the structure that this uh, particular char looks like. All right, Jack, let's wrap this one up real quick here before Patrick shows up. <laughs> so anyway, um, we really learned a lot and we want to thank Brooke for letting us invade her space and bother her for a little bit while she did a burn test. So thank you, Brooke. 
Thank you to the entire fireproofing group. I know you guys have a lot going on around here, so thanks for letting us interrupt. And we'll go ahead and see you next Monday. <laughs>